What's up, everybody? I'm Sam Graham Felson. I'm Avi Klein. And you're listening to Hey Man, the advice podcast for men. This week on the show, we're really excited to have Ann Friedman. She's the co-host of the super popular podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, which is a show about female friendship. Hey Man is a show about male friendship. We thought we could learn from her and we're... Excited to share the results. (laughs) (laughs) Part of what what was inspiring to us about about your show and still is is, you know, it's a show about um, friendship. We are friends in real life. Avi, Avi and I have been friends for over a decade. Um, your show and the book, which sort of brings up an important point that is like generally overlooked, I think, which is that like friendship is something that um, should be taken seriously and requires work. Like there's so much stuff about like how to make marriages work, you know, how to make, how to be a better parent. And, and I feel like there's almost nothing about how to be a better friend. So I think it's cool that you guys are kind of embarking on that. Can you talk a little bit about the, the, the book you guys are working on? Um, yeah, of course. So the book is called Big Friendship. Uh, it will not be out until uh, late spring or summer of 2020. So unfortunately, if you're listening to this pretty soon after it comes out, you're going to have to wait. Um, but yeah, the, the book is really um, both a memoir of uh, my friend and podcast co-host Aminatu So and my friendship. Um, we've been friends for a decade. Uh, and it's also a look at... Um, you know, more broadly, the role that friendship plays in our lives, in our society, and how despite the fact that um, we are always, I think people of all genders are really paying lip service to the importance of friendship, it is something that um, is often the first thing to go when other aspects of our lives become more time-consuming or complicated. And I think some of that is because of structures. You know, um, you pointed out that there's a lot of advice for parenting or marriage, um, there's, as we know, tons of advice about your career. Um, and those that reflects the fact that I think people really understand that you need to work on and invest in those areas of your life if you want them to be fulfilling. Whereas, um, because friendship is this very uh, unique relationship where all parties are there only because they want to be there. You know, there's no marriage contract. There's no... Um, you know, tacit obligation <laughs> of caregiving that like, you know, is there with um, other like family relationships. Um, it is really just like show up if you want to show up is the attitude that I think a lot of us are raised with friendship. And while um, that's certainly fine, you know, people are allowed to make their own choices about what relationships are important. I think we're arguing that um, the world would look a lot different if we took friendship relationships um, as seriously as uh as we should, um, and as many of us feel about them, but don't really act on. And and I think, um, you know, we're aware that in a single book, we can't get at every type of friendship, every facet of friendship, every challenge that might crop up in a friendship. And so we're kind of using our own experience as um, the center or the jumping off point for a lot of these conversations. But what we're really hoping is that um, people can read the book and consider their own friendships and have more honest conversations with their friends and reinvest in them. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've talked about on the show um, a lot is is just basically how uh, difficult uh, our friendships are with other men. And um, in fact, one of our sort of 
part another part of the origin story is that like every time me and Avi would hang out, Navi is a psychotherapist who literally like talks about feelings for a living. But every time we would hang out, we would have to have like at least two or three beers and be like watching a sports game on couldn't, TV. Couldn't like look at each other. We couldn't even make eye contact, right? And um, and uh, and I think like you know issues have come up over and over about like um when we feel hurt by our male friends, just like never really feeling like we're allowed to call them out or, you know, and basically like, you know, both sort of being doormats in our friendships and also taking advantage of our friends and not being good enough friends to them. And, you know, and it is funny how like friendship is this kind of like wild, wild west of relationships where it doesn't seem like there are many rules because as you said, it's like, the, the way that our society has um, set up expectations around friendship is you just kind of like show up when you feel like it. And if you stop feeling like it, like then you just kind of ghost on the other person. So, and I was curious, you know, one of the things I associate with your show so much that um, has been impactful for me, but also hard for me whenever the two of you talk about shine theory, which feels like such a, such a call your girlfriend trademark. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I, I was not raised that way um, and feel really competitive with people. And I'm just wondering if you could speak to that. Like whenever I listen to the two of you talk about it, it's like a bomb for my soul to like let go of, of feeling like an asshole all the time. Can you even explain Shine Theory? Yeah, for- maybe. Uh, can you, can you, sum- I bet you could do a better job of summarizing Shine Theory than than I can. But I, I feel like especially dudes would would benefit from being open to this. Yeah, so the term shine theory um, is another one of those things that's really rooted in um, my friendship with Aminatu. And for years, we would say to each other, I don't shine if you don't shine. And often that was a um, a way of reassuring each other when one of us felt like we were asking a lot of the friendship that it was not too much to ask, mm. right? So if um, I spent, you know, an hour revising her resume for her, or if she left work early because I had some medical thing crop up and she was going to like just be with me or whatever, what, whatever point it felt like maybe this is an inconvenience to the other person. And we might be feeling like we had overstepped some bound of friendship. We would say that. Um, and I think it really, it, it, it evolved from there um, into like a bigger theory, hence the name about the power of really investing in uh, your close community of people in the same way you invest in yourself. And so the idea is not like you never compete with anyone for anything. And the idea is not, um, you know, becoming a doormat and giving yourself fully to everyone in your world. But it's just like this idea that like maybe if we um, would work together in a more concerted way and prioritize collaboration over competition, um, we would actually all get a lot further. And I think that this idea um, for us um, has been rooted in particular Uh, in our experience as women, because I think um, many women are trained to compete with other women in spaces where they have traditionally been underrepresented. Um, There's sort of that idea of like, I'm a cool girl. I'm the one girl who can hang with the guys. Like, you know, there's kind of that cultural idea. Um, But overall, you know, like we live in a capitalist society, which, um, you know, I think most people like you are raised to believe that you everyone is a potential competitor for the short list of things that you want to get out of life and um really at its core shine theory is challenging that idea and saying like you know uh does this person really want exactly what you want and um and is it mutually exclusive that you could both get where you want to go and um 
that doesn't mean you never feel jealous. Um, I had like a real spike of professional jealousy feeling very recently that I think is, um, that is, that is a feeling. Um, it's not an action and shine theory is a practice of mm. sort of saying like, okay, so instead of acting on that feeling by maybe tearing down this person I feel jealous of, I'm going to send them an email and be like, wow, your work is really blown me away. Could I, could I ask you about how you did this, this aspect of it or, you know, something that feels more, um, productive. I love and that reframe. Yeah. So, so yeah. Right. <laughs> so anyway, so that's what I mean. It's, it doesn't mean you'll never feel jealous again, or you won't feel competitive again. I think that's an important thing. It's, it's really what you do with that feeling. So I have, I have a, a specific sort of embarrassing jealousy situation that I want to ask you how I can apply shine theory to it that came up today. This sounds like so lame and it's so embarrassing to admit it, but every year, um, Barack Obama releases his reading list of his favorite books. And um, I have sent him like four copies of my book and, and I worked for him. <laughs> One for and, every member and, of the family. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I definitely sent like four copies to Michelle as well. And, and um, you know, when, the, I mean, my book came out like a year and a half ago. So at this point I've sort of given up, but every time his list comes out, you know, his winter reading and his summer reading list, and I'm not on it. I get re-triggered by like massive jealousy of all the people who are on the list, especially because I'm like, I used to be Barack Obama's blogger. Like he's, how is he not giving me any love? So <laughs> I, and, and I was able to catch myself when I was feeling that way this morning. And, you know, I was with, I was with both of my kids. I was like, you know what? You got to snap out of this and be present with your kids right now. Don't be like all gloomy. I like opened the fridge and saw a giant tall can of IPA. And I'm like, man, it would be nice <laughs> to hit that right now. But like, what's the, like, how long, um, am I allowed to like experience the bitterness before I sort of transition into like channeling it in a productive way? That's what I was trying to figure out. Cause it does seem like, like, what's the line between just like repressing that jealousy versus like feeling it and then channeling it into, into something, you know, not ruinous to society and yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is going to sound so eye roll, but, um, you know, for me often that real spike of jealousy feeling is a teacher, you know, I mean, thinking about, okay, so, um, why, why did you want to be on Obama's list? Like, let me just ask you a few more questions. Like what, what would that have represented to you? Or like what, what would happen after you were on the list? You're asking me literally, or is this a... I'm asking yeah. you literally. Yeah. Sam, I mean, Sam's okay. sitting on my therapy no, I, couch right now, I mean, so I feel uh, like this is totally okay. Honestly, my real... <laughs> I mean, I, I I, I, actually went there right away, and I was like, why do I want to be on his list so bad? And, you know, the, the quick surface level reason is um, I wanted Barack Obama's approval. Then I thought about it more, and I'm like... I, you know, I think like Barack Obama is like some stand-in for my father. And like, I really want my parents approval. I don't know. Like I went to that place and it, even, even asking those questions made it, made the burden a tiny bit lighter. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I wanted, I wanted his, uh, uh, I wanted him to think that I was a good writer. I mean, I wanted, uh, I wanted that confirmation because sometimes, you know, Sometimes I believe I'm a good writer and then sometimes I'm not sure and I want uh, a, a famous, you know, only the most famous person in the whole world to tell me that I am. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. And so I think that that is like an interesting, like, you know, for me then, I mean, I don't know, all advice is really just you talking about yourself. So, I mean, right. I'm just going to talk about myself now that I hear you say that, which is, um, you know, I, I feel that feeling a lot when I, I, I experience it less in terms of who made what list, but I often experience it when I read 
a book that I think is really incredible or an essay about an idea that I have maybe thought I should try to write about that, but haven't really found my way into it or haven't gotten around to it. Like often I have that feeling of insecurity. Um, and when I dig into it, I think like, well, well, what are you really doing? Like, are you, are you trying, you know, this person put in the work and explored that idea or this person is, um, you know, has been working for 10 years longer than you, or this person has a perspective that you don't have. And that is what has really elevated, um, this piece of writing. I mean, I try to sort of put on my editor brain sometimes when I have specific anxieties related to writing. And the best thing about identifying as a writer is it is a cheap, passion you know like it is the kind of thing that like you know I know your time is not cheap and neither is mine but like you can really sit down and words it's not like you know trying to level up in some sort of gear-based sport or something right. you know like you can really sit down and be like let me pick apart what is great about these other things and when it comes to like the approval of specific people um you know I'll just tell you that like I I'm reading Gia Tolentino's uh, new essay collection I'm which so is jealous incredible. of how good of a writer she is she's so good yeah. And it's not even that. Um, I mean, I, I, so I am, you know, sort of within myself thinking about, um, oh, like, what can I learn from, you know, this really great piece of writing that I'm reading of hers. But also, you know, I had that feeling when I looked at the back cover of her book and the blurbs were from mm -hmm. every essayist who I've respected in the last two, <laughs> two decades, um, which, you know, I mean, and that feels much more akin to your Obama situation, right? Of like people who I really respect, whose approval I would want for myself, approve of someone else <laughs> and and you know and to that I say I'm just like I don't I don't know like I this this feels like it kind of goes back for me to um what I can and can't control like I can control how much time I spend writing I can control like um you know my relationship with Gia directly which is a distant internet uh connection but a friendly one and I can um if I ever wanted to, I could ask her how she got her book into the hands of all these essayists I love. Um, I could ask her to introduce me to one of these essayists I love, and who knows, maybe they would meet me for a coffee sometime. I could... Uh, no, this is I could so reasonable. <laughs> I could think about... I mean, it took me... Listen, that this was not my immediate gut reaction, yeah. but, um, you know, and, and I think that... Um, the, this idea, too, of like, uh, okay, there are books on Obama's list that are not your book. And I think it's worth asking the question as well of like, is it really about your writing ability per se? I mean, sometimes those lists are put together um, based on this is this is an issue that's happening in the news right now. And this book provides context and or this is a perspective that really hasn't been heard. And, you know, those are things that you can't you can't control, like when your book hits the news cycle, you can't control like what set of personal attributes or experience um, you necessarily bring to a piece of writing. And so you just have to realize that like that, um, the list is not a, a power ranking of people Obama thinks are best writers. I'm almost certain. So let, let's dive into the advice question because I think it, it's very much a um, what you can control versus what you can't control kind of mm. issue. Yeah, I think so, you're going to, yeah. I think you're going to bring a lot to this one. So I'm going to read it and then um, we we'll just go over our impressions of it. Hey man, I'm 40 and recently divorced. Obviously, there's a lot there to deal with, but one of the things that I've really been stunned to realize since I've moved out on my own is that I don't have any friends. I didn't realize that I'd come to rely so much on my wife as a source of friendship. We had social, casual friendships with other parents, but it's only now, without my ex, that I realize I've been without real friendship, without real friendships for the better part of a decade. And now that I'm single again, I feel like a pariah. Couples don't really want to have me over as a single person, or maybe it just feels awkward for me. 
and I'm missing friends that are truly mine and know me well. I'm so busy with work and childcare as a solo parent now, I don't even know how to make new friends. Any advice? Signed, lonely on the Lower East Side. Mm. Oh, my heart goes out to this man. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I really had a very emotional reaction to that. Like, I really feel some sadness and compassion. Mm. It is not just... um, you know, a reality that I think men are socialized to invest uh, less in their friendships than in their romantic relationships. But it's also a reality that um, divorce in particular is one of those things that completely reconfigures your social world. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's bigger things at play than just, you know, the the regrets of one man or the the experience of one person, you know. Totally. I know someone who basically who had a problem like this and and really relied on dating apps to make friends with women uh like he couldn't he couldn't find a way to make friends and friends with other guys which felt really sad to me too that it was just only in it was only like with a romantic introduction that yeah. he could find his way towards any kind of friendship I mean, i'll just speak for myself like um I used to feel like I had the problem that I had too many friends and I didn't have enough time to work on my novel because all, <laughs> all these fucking friends calling me up, <laughs> knocking to my door, texting me, go away. And now I feel like I actually have the opposite problem. I feel like a lot of my friends have both and we both Avi and I live in New York. Um, and, um, as you know, it's expensive as shit here. So like most of my friends have been moving out, moving, yeah. moving smartly to LA as, yeah. as, as you have, um, and, uh, and other places. And so a I lot mean, of, listen, I've been here a decade. Okay. okay. Like all these, all these <laughs> You're New York is emptying, emptying its bowels into my city. I'm like, you guys really want to be here? Like okay, don't yeah. go to LA everyone go to Austin. <laughs> don't jack up Anne's real estate yeah. uh, prices. But anyway, the, the, um, but you know, I, I now feel like I actually, um, don't have that many friends and the friends I still have, the people I, that, that I do want to call are often like super busy professionals. And I feel like I'm going to be nagging them. So I have started to actually want for the first time in a super long time to make friends. And it's this funny thing. I like, like there are a few places where maybe I could make friends like the, this meditation class that I go to where I see the same people over and over again, my exercise class that I go to where I see the same people over and over again. But there's this weird thing for dudes. And I wonder if, you know, how, how it feels, um, you know, for you and if you've tried to make a new friend anytime recently or for, for other of your female friends, but like, I feel like there's this general anxiety, like, even though there are some guys that I vibe with, it's a really awkward interaction to like ask for it's their like email dating. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I, and, and it's funny because like, if somebody asked me to like hang out, um, I, I well, I don't know how I would react. I, I might feel weird about it. Um, because it's <laughs> so be unusual. I think I would be flattered and I would, and I would want it, but, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just like so scared. There's always this underlying thing with men that like you're worried like the other guy is going to judge you as like being too soft or maybe even being gay, you know? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like this is a real like um, this is for for like even for men who I think would be totally comfortable like wearing something that might be coded as gay or like having a mannerism that might be coded as gay. Like that's one thing. I but can't like, believe friendship is gay. <laughs> well, we lost well, that it's too. Not, but, but awkward new friendship, I think, yeah. you know, for the exact reason that you say, it feels like dating. Like you are, um, 
you know, essentially saying that something about the other person is attractive to you. And yeah. I don't even mean that in a sexual way, but yeah, you're yeah. like, listen, we have been in this meditation class for a while and there's something about you that makes me think that we would be good friends. That is attraction. And, and feeling hesitant to express that is something that um, most most men in, you know, I mean, Western American culture have been socialized to feel like right. that I is mean, a you're feeling literally, you only act on with someone you're sexually attracted to. Totally. Cause you are, if you're asking somebody on a friend date, I mean, you are literally, you're not literally, I, I misuse that word, <laughs> but you are effectively saying, I like you. Yeah. Right. You that, are. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, so, uh, between, have you made a new friend recently or like you have any budding friendships? So I, I would say my most recent close friend, um, she and I, I, I would say she largely initiated the friendship. We met through a mutual friend. Um, she is um, also a writer. Um, she's a gay woman. Um, she lives pretty close to me in Los Angeles. And our first few like friend hangs, friend dates, whatever, were she initiated on the basis of like talking about writing. Like this is like a thing she knew we both had in common. And it's funny, I haven't actually explicitly rewound this with her ever. Um, and it is true that like the first couple times we got together, it felt like a really somewhere between an awkward first date and like an awkward, like professional let's meet for coffee. Um, but she is also someone who's very good. And I think that this is a skill set that I, I think is often associated with um, men making friends, she's very good at sort of saying like, okay, look, let's find the thing that we do together. So like our thing for a while was that we would go to movies together or like that. I, I don't see a lot of movies, but like it would just became a habit. If I wanted to see a movie, she was a person I would ask about it because she kind of proposed that as a thing we do. Um, and then now we go to this uh, monthly comedy night together. Like that's just a thing we do. And um, and we are friends now beyond the scheduled kind of recurring activities. But I think um, she was really good about saying like, oh, we kind of need training wheels, right? To go from we just have a mutual friend and we might get along as as friends ourselves to we can stand on our own two feet and just like meet at a Mexican restaurant and have chips and talk or whatever. <laughs> we yeah. have to have a middle step. And that is something that's more structured. And I think you know, you want to see a movie is probably too dating coded as um, to feel comfortable uh, for a lot of people. But saying like, oh, I'm going to this event that is outside the bounds of what we normally do. I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of meditation event. Who yeah, knows? Well, whatever. I was thinking, you know, that would, yeah. That would totally work <laughs> Let's in the Let's sit context. next to each other and not talk for right. 45 and minutes. And then maybe go for a drink after <laughs> yeah. or right. go yeah, for yeah, yeah, a yeah. dessert after and talk, you know? Like, let's split a slice of cake, Lady and the Tramp, you know? And like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, okay, so that would work yeah. for like a, you know, a soft uh, dude like me who goes to meditation classes. Yeah. Um, what about like, I I'm just trying to imagine, um, you know, what what other kinds of um you can do anything like in a practical way uh, what do you mean i mean what do you well uh you could actually go to one of the cool things that's in the new yorker that like you always look in the beginning and not and not do you could go no i know you yeah, can yeah. Oh, like, i know you, you can do? go on you yeah, could, yeah you could do any kind of activity with with this male friend mm -hmm. that you want to reach out to but like how do you how do you even like make the I mean, I guess there's two, there's two steps. One, how do you even meet new people that you might yeah. like? And I guess, you know, the answer to that in a, in a city is, or anywhere really is to like, you have to go to like, 
I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Ann? How do you even meet people to begin with? Because that's, that's, I think, the first step that we kind of skipped over. Like, yeah. Like, well, I think when you're new, we actually have an episode of Call Your Girlfriend that might be relevant to this. It's oh. about being new in town, but mm. I think that a lot of it applies to being in a new phase of life or being um, maybe newly single or something like that. And, uh, and some of it just involves um, doing way more. And I think this is another reason why I have compassion for your letter writer who yeah. is spending a lot of time parenting. But, um, you know, I think when I think about times I've been new in town, like when I moved to Los Angeles, I, um, I had two tenuous friend connections. Um, and I really made an effort to see them, um, you know, like to, to nail them down, to make plans to sort of say like, okay, when we're hanging out, make our next concrete plan to hang out. Um, and one of those friends is now one of my very best friends here. I've seen her twice a week for (laughs) eight years or whatever it's been. Um, and, uh, and then the other thing is to not decline any invitation. And so sometimes, um, you know, it is really hard to get up the courage to go to a barbecue where you only know the host or um, to go to someone's big, like, birthday thing or, you know, go to some kid's birthday party where you're just like, oh, my God, like, my kids know one person here and I don't know anyone or whatever. <laughs> and I think that those are the kinds of things that um, if you are in – Uh, a period where you're acknowledging that you want to meet new friends, you just have to say yes to as many of those things as you can possibly uh, squeeze into your life. Like it is, it has to be a priority to be in spaces where you're going to physically have to bump into people and make, make conversation with them. I think that's a great point. And, and you know, that like, I truly cringed as you were like describing being invited to a barbecue where you only know the host Mm. Cause like just that experience is so hard for, I mean, and, and, and I'm, I'm consider myself a, a, you know, on the spectrum, a pretty socially comfortable person, but I hate that feeling of like sidling up to the guy at the grill and like, you know, cause, cause you're afraid to go, you know, shake hands and meet anyone else who you don't know. But, but one thing that, you know, has just struck me as, as you're talking about, you know, getting yourself in, in these situations is I feel like, um, we just can't underestimate how powerful genuine friendliness is. Mm. And like, if you are approaching somebody in good faith as a friendly person, like most people aren't dicks who are just going to like blow you off and not engage you in a conversation, you know? And I think like in periods of my life where I have been, you know, uh, in in a new city, uh, you know, and, and somebody who only knows one person at the barbecue, um, I just assume nobody would want to talk to me. Um, because any social interaction is like a waste of somebody's time if they're not already your close friend. And, you know, the times I forced myself to just be friendly, like it's just immediately disarming. I I also just want to, you know, Sam and I joke a lot about, even though we we don't want to give advice, we always go into like, well, what do you do? Which also feels like a very dude thing to do. And there's another we always claim that we're not actually we're advice. not going to give people advice. And then we do all just we claim give. we're going to do what you did. And yeah. which is just to like have, have compassion. compassion. <laughs> but we always wanna... we want to get away from that as quickly as possible. But the, there's one thing that I don't know if, if this resonates with either of you. But I just I felt it when I read this question, which is something that I think has gotten in the way of me making friends now as an older adult is I really miss my friendships from when I was younger. And it's almost like I just can't, I can't let them go, even though they're not, they're not in my life in the same way. It's like, there's a part of me, it's like, I'm never going to have that again. 
And that somehow that gets in my way a lot. Like the frustration of, of this awkwardness that we're describing. I don't want to go through that. I had, I had really deep, meaningful friendships when I was younger and now I don't have them. And sometimes that really gets in my way. I don't know if either of you, if that resonates for either of you. Um, well, there is a there is a truth to the fact that um, you have to put in a certain number of hours with someone in order to feel close to them. Like that's just true in any kind of relationship. And um, when you're younger, it's a lot easier to clock those hours because you have a lot more time. And I think for me, um, it's just it has definitely taken me longer to get closer to the people I've become close with in like my 30s, for example, um, than it than it was. Uh, you know, in my twenties or when I was in college or so I, I think that that's just a factor of understanding yeah. that the time frame, even if you're seeing someone for the 15th time, which like, Oh my gosh, like it, you know, if for a new friend in your thirties, if you're hanging out for the 15th time, you were like, you are like clasping your hands above your head on like the victory <laughs> platform. You're like, Oh my God, we both made so much time for each other. But you know, in terms of cumulative hours, that isn't, anywhere close to like we shared a dorm room or whatever, you know? Um, and I think that, um, really if, if you're lucky, life is long and thinking about the long-term payoff of a friend that you make now is, is a real motive. I mean, like I'm a real long gamer in almost every area of my life. So this is, uh, maybe easier for me than for some personality types. But, um, I will also say this is that when I hear, um, when I hear that, question from your listener. I also think about um, many men who I know and care about who are in romantic relationships, particularly with women, um, and they are also dissatisfied with the state of their friendships, um, mm-hmm. be they with men or women, basically anyone who isn't their spouse. And and I would say that like all the advice that we're giving right now, or that, you know, all, all of this contextual conversation and compassion right now that we are giving to... Um, this recently divorced guy who wants more friends should apply equally to any anyone who is in in a in a marriage a romantic relationship who feels like their friendship side of the equation is anemic you know like maybe take a look at that not because you're you're planning to get divorced someday but because like a healthy adult life involves healthy friendships too yeah i i, I was going to say that um i just want to applaud this guy for at least um, realizing that he needs friendships because sometimes when I'm like in a bad place in life, um, I just go to the place of like, I just want to be alone. And of course that, I mean, I always actually go to that place. (laughs) My instinct, I I don't think I'm alone, alone in saying this. I think a lot of dudes go to the, like, I must be like a stoic monk in a cave handling my pain alone rather than making friends or reaching out to uh, old friends. And, um, and I think like, you know, and, and, and also like, you know, something that, that went unspoken, uh, in your last comment and, but most marriages are difficult and <laughs> it's, and, uh, you know, are challenging and, and it's useful to have friends that yeah. you can like talk through some of the stuff that's going on in your marriage with someone else, you know? So, um, so I'm glad that he at least isn't going to the like hermit approach mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to like you know, stew in my own pain. He's, he's doing, you know, the right thing by, you know, at least recognizing that he needs to go make friends. So, all right. So let's, let's, let's try to, um, wrap up what our, what our concrete advice is. He should do listen a, to that episode of call your girlfriends. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> 
he should he should say yes to invitations, which again is 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 an easy one to uh, to dismiss. But it's 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 an important piece of advice, and I think one that a lot of people just instinctually um, are like, ah, I don't want to make the effort to go to that barbecue because I'm going to be the only one. Suck, yeah. Um, uh, what are what are some of the other concrete things that that this guy can do? Well, I would add to the to the show up advice. Show up and promise yourself you're going to talk to three people you don't know or something like that. Like really, I know that sounds very like reductive and concrete, but not just show up, but like show up and make an effort, I think is really um is important. And um And what what about just the question of the awkwardness of a man worrying that like the other guy is going to think he's weird? Like well, who ha- cares? Like what's the worst thing that happens? Someone thinks you're gay? Like now, I mean Okay. Like, I don't know. <laughs> How yeah, else are you going to make th- friends anymore? Exactly. And I actually think that the person who's going to be a good fit for you in friendship is probably True. someone who, frankly, is looking to make some friends too, even yeah. even if they are not recently divorced or whatever. And so that person is going to be, you know, right. For Maybe five people are going to think that um, you are weak and weird or like needy or whatever negative thing you've got in your in a loop on your head that makes you not want to approach people but every for every five maybe there's one who's like oh my god i really i also want to make a friend here (laughs) and like they've been waiting for someone else to be proactive because everyone's always waiting for someone else to be proactive so um so yeah i think that like that getting over that fear-based thing that we often talk about with regard to dating is also applicable in the kind of making friends talk to strangers context. Totally. Um, so, Anne, we, we um, like to wrap up the uh, show by asking each guest to share just a nugget of advice that um, has stuck with you uh, for a while that you continually come back to. Is there anything that comes to mind for you? Well, one thing that I... Um, I read a lot and I also send to um, friends who are going through something difficult is uh, this passage from Octavia Butler's novel Parable of the Sower, which is like a dystopian sci-fi kind of book that um, the plot of which is not relevant, but um, the it's about change. And it goes like this. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. And I'm like, when I think about like when I am struggling with something, there's a very high probability that it is because I am not really rolling with a change that is happening that is outside my control. Mm. And, um, and I really, I don't know. I really come down to that a lot of like, yes, like you are an agent, like all that you touch, you change. Um, but also change is just, a fact of life. And I think especially for people socialized as men, um, thinking about being someone who is comfortable with change or actively welcoming of change is like, can be even harder. And I just want to, I just want to put in a plug for change as like advice and, um, comfort. (laughs) Yeah. Sort of, uh, I mean, the thing you're making me think of is like surrendering to change a bit, letting it happen. Which feels really letting hard. it happen, not being afraid to enact it, like um, not being afraid to change in response to change, uh, recognizing that nothing is ever static is mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm sure there is some other like advicey way to put that, but I I actually feel like stating the fact and really, really taking that fact to heart is 
one of the most helpful lessons of my adult life. Yeah. And I think for it's, it is particularly um, useful for men to hear this because we have been socialized through the patriarchy to be the guys who control shit. Yeah. And you know, um, for most of human history, women have been controlled by men. Right. So like we, we are socialized to be obsessed with, um, you know, having a permanent hold on something. Anyway, that's really helpful and useful. And, um, uh, just generally your, your wisdom about, um, friendship, uh, has been awesome. Um, so we yeah. really appreciate you joining us and um, we're looking forward to reading your book and psyched to continue listening to Call Your Girlfriend. Uh, I'm so excited to hear your thoughts on on the book if and if and when you read it because <laughs> we are really hoping that um, that men will uh, find a lot in the book as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Cool. Thanks, awesome. Sam. Thank you. That's a wrap, everybody. Uh, as always, you can email us with your advice questions at heymanpod at gmail.com. Better yet, shoot us a voicemail, 917-426-4326. If you want to get your Instagram or Twitter on, we're at heymanpod. And um, as always, we really appreciate if you would give us a review uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It, ma it makes a big difference for us. <laughs>